Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. On Revelation, the last book in the New Testament. Um, As I said, this will be the third time in my ministry that I've tackled this. I don't do it very often since I've been preaching uh, for 30 years now. I started at 17. I had a birthday yesterday. You do the math. You know how old I am. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. We'll be doing this every week, and after I count it off, the anticipated number of lessons it'll take to get through 22 chapters of Revelation, it's going to be about a nine-month commitment. But I'm up for it, and I look forward to it. Um, Tonight, I want to simply introduce Revelation. We're going to look at chapter 1, the first three verses, okay? Uh, We're going to start slow, and... um, let me start out with this. As I was uh, trying to think about how I wanted to introduce this, I found a blog on the internet. Uh, this lady's name is Kelly McMorris, and you've probably never met her, but I bet you possibly have seen her work because uh, she retired just a few years ago, but she used to create Bible illustrations for Lifeways Explore the Bible Curriculum. And so if you have the Explore the Bible curriculum, some of you in Sunday school, uh, a lot of times there's drawings and illustrations that go with the lesson. And uh, she has done those. Matter of fact, she did 168 sketches. Okay, Uh, Her blog was, the article was, How to Keep Your Illustrations Fresh, What I Learned from 168 Illustrations. She said that usually the lesson involved Uh, somebody mentioned in the Bible that's either having a conversation like Jesus and Nicodemus at night or, uh, you know, someone is preaching and, uh, you know, that's kind of the image that goes with the lesson. And it's kind of like, if you think about it, it gets repetitive after a while. You're you're sketching people, uh, communicating, sharing, proclaiming. Uh, how How do you do that 168 different ways? Well, she shared some techniques she used. You can vary the camera angles. You can vary the time of day. Uh, That gives a little bit of variety. You can crop, that is, you can take things out of the picture. You can zoom in to get it up close. Um, You can vary the light and the shadows. uh, And you can play with symbolism. And she basically said, I learned that there are always new ways to visually tell a story. And when I saw that comment, I went, yes. There are always new ways to visually tell a story. And as we approach Revelation tonight, I want you to realize that it's visually telling a story. It's the last book of the Bible, the last book in the New Testament. And it tells a story that's rooted in history that's colored with prophecy, and it draws together images and references from Old Testament, particularly from the prophets, and it brings them together, and it shows you the ultimate fulfillment of those. Uh, Years ago, uh, Elise took art lessons when we were in Tennessee. Uh, Her and some friends, uh, we would take her to this lady that taught art in the school, and and, um, she would teach them at her house after after school was over, and she loved it. And every week they met, 
um, she would teach them a pattern, some kind of specific design or pattern that they would practice doing, practice doing, practice doing, and then they would draw something with that pattern in it. At first, I didn't realize what, what she was doing, and then I realized, wow, this, this lady's teaching her how to be very creative with art by mastering fundamental techniques, just like musicians have to learn notes and scales, and then they put that all together and they make wonderful music. In the same way, imagine an artist with their palette here, and they've got all those colors on it, and they begin to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and they start painting, and when it's all done, you have this beautiful artistic piece to look at. In the same way, John is looking at the Old Testament, and he's pulling all of these strings, and he's weaving them together. Uh, matter of fact, one source said that Revelation contains more Old Testament references than any other New Testament book. Almost 70% of its verses contain some kind of allusion or reference or image to the Old Testament. 70% of Revelation. Uh, some of the most important contributors, Exodus, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah, to name a few. Uh, I love this quote. I don't know who said it uh, in reading all of this. I, I don't know who said it, and I couldn't find it when I tried. Revelation pulls all the threads of the Bible together and wraps everything up. And that is so true. So look, if you will, Revelation chapter 1, the first three verses. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. Father, just bless your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look here in verse 1. We have a chain of communication. We've got God, the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him. Okay, so God gives a revelation of Jesus. So from God to Jesus, then to his angel, and then to John, and then to his servants. Okay, he made it known by sending his angel there in verse 1 to his servant John to show, you know, the servants of the Lord what must soon take place. So there's this chain of communication. God, Jesus, his angel, John, and the servants of the Lord. And then that very uh, second word there, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation there, that's where we get our, um, our name for this book. But also in the Greek, it's apocalypse. And some call it the apocalypse of John. Uh, that is a clue as to what kind of uh, writing the book of Revelation is. Now, it's actually three kinds. It's a apocalyptic, it's a prophecy, obviously, and it's an epistle because it's written to seven churches in Asia, but that's in, that's in verse 4 and that's next week. Uh, so it's three kinds of writing all rolled into one. Now, the roots of this verse, this is what's cool, the roots of this verse, I'm talking about chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse here in Revelation. 
the roots of this verse are unbelievably connected to another passage in the Old Testament. Let me see if I can jog your memory. Do you remember Daniel chapter 2? In Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he didn't know what it meant. And so he did something very unusual. It had never been done before. He called all of his wise men, seers, all of these people together, and he says, I had a dream, and it bothers me because I don't understand it, so I want you to explain it to me. And they're like, great, you tell us the dream, we'll tell you the interpretation. He goes, nope, we're not doing it that way. You're going to tell me what the dream is, and then you're going to interpret it. What? Nobody's ever done that. And then he says, and if you don't, you're going to lose everything you got. Well, boy, that got them all beside themselves. Finally, ultimately, when Daniel heard about it, he petitioned the Lord, and the Lord gave Daniel the interpretation. Daniel goes to King Nebuchadnezzar and says, you saw this huge statue, didn't you? And different parts of the statue were made of different you know, metals and so on. And each one of those represents different kingdoms that have ruled the world. And then there's this rock that breaks off a mountain without human hands and it destroys this statue. And it's a kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. And it'll never be destroyed. It'll never end. Now, look, if you will, that's the context. Look, if you will, in Daniel chapter 2. Verse 28, because I want to zoom in here. When Daniel goes before King Nebuchadnezzar, I want you to see what um, Daniel actually says. Daniel says in, in chapter 2, verse 28, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these. Your majesty, while you were in your bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. The revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. And then when you skip down to Daniel 2, verse 45, he says this, You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron, bronze, fired clay, silver, and gold. The great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is certain and its interpretation reliable. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshipped Daniel, and gave orders to present an offering, and incense to him. And the king said to Daniel, Your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. Now it's interesting there, because when you look at Daniel's interpretation based on chapter 2, verses 28 through 30, which I read, and 45 through 47, which I read, you see four elements. God reveals mysteries. He said that two or three times. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And um, the revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. And this uh, mystery has been revealed to me, not because I'm wiser than everybody, but God wants you to know what it means. So uh, God is uh, reveals mysteries. That's the first part. 
the second part is God, uh, God is showing this to Daniel and to the king. Obviously, with the vision and the dream, uh, he's showing him what's going to happen. So God reveals uh, mysteries which he has shown. And then the third part of this is concerning what will take place. Matter of fact, the way Daniel says it, so that the king will know what will happen in the last days, what will happen in the future. And then the fourth element in Daniel's interpretation, God reveals mysteries, which he has shown, concerning what will take place, and these he has signified. Now, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but the Septuagint that, um, that Jews use is a Greek version of the Old Testament. Basically, they took the Old Testament, they wrote it in Greek, it's called the Septuagint, and when you look in the Septuagint, um, it says that he has signified these things, okay? He has signified these things. Now, what's interesting, when you look at what John says in chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, okay, so there's, again, God is revealing something, uh, then it says that God gave him to show his servants. So here is a revelation that God has showed, okay, his servants what must soon take place. The difference here is Daniel said in the last days in the future, and John is saying soon, okay, soon. But they're both saying it will take place, and then he signified it. And um, that's... If you're reading in your, your English translation there, chapter 1, verse 1 of Revelation, he made it known by sending his angel. He made it known. That word known, that's the same Greek word, signified, that is mentioned in the Septuagint of Daniel's account. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the Greek translations, revealed is five times in Daniel, show is twice, and the phrase what will happen is three times. And the key to the significance of these allusions to Daniel is that Daniel is speaking about the kingdom of God that will come in the last days, and it'll never be destroyed, okay? It'll never end. And God, and now God through John is announcing it's about to take place. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets me on the front of my seat, don't it, you? It makes you lean in a little bit and go, ooh, boy, this is good. And it is. This is just the very first verse of Revelation. And so when you compare these four elements in uh, John's first verse here of how he brings up Revelation and introduces it, he links it. He links it to that dream that God gave Nebuchadnezzar, who he wouldn't tell anybody, and then God gave Daniel not only the dream, but what it meant. And now it all clicks together. Verse 2, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw, okay, whatever he saw, uh, right there, that last part of that verse, that John testified about the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, whatever he saw, and the theme of what John saw is so prevalent in Revelation that I think we miss it because of all the other stuff in Revelation. But that word saw, that particular word, that verb, appears 52 times 
52 times uh, with John as the subject, the one doing the seeing, and we don't need to overlook that. In other words, this book is a very symbolic book. It's full of images, okay, and allusions to the Old Testament. Uh, let me just get that out of the way, because sometimes people insist on a literal interpretation. And you might say, Brother Corey, where are you going with this? Well, I've got to appeal to somebody much smarter than me. Uh, how many of you remember Herschel Hobbes? He was a theologian and a statesman in Southern Baptist life a couple generations ago. Uh, they still use his commentaries for your Sunday school lessons. Here's what Herschel Hobbes said, quote, The method employed in Revelation is seen in the word signified. This translates the Greek word semanio. It means to show in signs or symbols. It is imperative to keep this fact in mind as one seeks to understand Revelation. It is the key to its message. As we have noted, the style of the book is apocalyptic. It employs symbols to declare truth to those who read with understanding. But it also conceals the message from those outside the Christian fellowship. This symbolic approach does not mean that the Bible is not literally true. Let me repeat that again. This symbolic approach does not mean that the Bible is not literally true. It is literally true in what it means. One does not say that the Lamb of God actually has four feet and a tail, a body covered with wool, and goes about saying, Bye! The literal truth lies in what is symbolized. To take every symbol in Revelation absolutely literally, as some define that word, is absurd. The literal truth lies in the meaning of the symbol. Okay, The literal truth lies in the meaning of the symbol. Likewise, the symbolic nature of Revelation runs throughout the whole book. The aorist form of signified sums up in one whole the method of Revelation in the book. We cannot say that some things are symbols and others are literal. If one part's literal, all parts are literal. The verb forms say that all parts are symbolic. So basically what Hobbes is saying is if we come to the most symbolic book of the Bible and insist on interpreting it literally, we're going to miss the impact of its message. The literal meaning is to know what the symbols actually mean. And lest you think that we're going to go on a journey where we just make up, you know, the symbols. I don't believe in that at all. Some people, the way they teach Revelation, they, they have the Bible in one hand, they have the newspaper in the other, and they go, did you hear what happened in China last week? Or fill in the blank. Do you think they're that thing over here in chapter... You know what I'm talking about. We've all heard that before. At least I have. And um, the point of the matter is this. We will discover what the symbols mean, number one, by looking at the context of Revelation, looking at the historical background and what it meant to the original audience, the readers of this, but also we'll find out what the symbols mean by looking at the Old Testament because, remember, he's an artist, and he's taking all these pictures and all these patterns from Old Testament prophecy and he's weaving together this beautiful picture of what God's going to do. I kind of equate Revelation to a finale. You know, um, if you've ever seen a beautiful fireworks show on the 4th of July, it's always fun, isn't it? I mean, it gets dark, and you hear the first crack and pop, and all of a sudden you just sit back and you enjoy all the fireworks. 
And then if it's a really good show, you know that, you know, 20 minutes in or ever how long this thing is going to last, all of a sudden it gets real intense. Bang, 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 all at once for maybe a full minute or so, and then boom, it's over. What was that? It was the grand finale. Can I tell you that Revelation is the grand finale of the Bible? And that's what makes it so special. There in verse 3, he says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. Well, I've just been blessed by reading this out loud to you. You can be blessed not only by hearing it, but by doing what it says. Uh, very few books have that kind of disclaimer. Uh, Revelation does. Um, one commentator says it's worth pointing out what Daniel had in mind when he spoke of the events of the latter days. It was the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in which the king had been shown in the shape of a great statue, a succession of world empires beginning from his own. In the days of the last of those empires, Daniel says, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And now John has seen the latter days arrive. Um, John saw the latter days arrive when Jesus ascended to heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came, and Peter boldly stood up and quoted the prophet Joel, who said in the last days, God is going to pour out His Spirit, and what you see right now is what is happening. Remember that? So the last days got ushered in at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, and the setting up of God's kingdom has begun with the coming of Christ and the promise that it shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, is already starting to be fulfilled. If this uh, is what Daniel has foreseen for the latter days, is what the angel is now bringing to John, then yes, the time is near, or it must soon take place. And that is awesome. So let me give you some practical handles tonight, okay, as we introduce this. I've given you a lot to think about in verses 1, 2, and 3. So what does it all mean? Well, here's the question. If this book comes with a blessing to those who read it, hear it, and keep it, then the question is, why should you read Revelation? Let's be honest. For a long time, I avoided Revelation. I really did. Uh, when I became a preacher, that was one of my top uh, items on my list, uh, uh, Herman, don't get your foot in a slop bucket and don't teach Revelation. Amen? I mean, just don't do it. And then when somebody says, well, what do you believe about such and such and such and such and such and such? Then I would say, I believe I'm a pan whatever because it's all going to pan out in the end. And I was proud to say that. And that's, that's where I camped out for a very, very long time. And then after several years in the ministry, I began to get a little convicted. And then... Um, I was associate pastor of a church once for six months, and then the pastor left, and they called me to be the next pastor. And so I, I stepped into that void that, that was there when he left, and he was halfway through Revelation. And they said, hey, you going to finish it? Yeah. We got through it. But by the time I got through it, halfway, the second half of it, I was like, man, I don't, I don't know about all this. I had more questions than answers. And, and through that experience and some other things, I began to pray. And then eventually I came back and said, okay, God, I'm ready to, 
I'm ready to learn this. I'm ready for you to show me what it is you want to show me so I can learn what I need to learn. So my prayer is that you will be able to answer tonight this question. Why should I read Revelation? I'm going to give you three good reasons why you should read it. Number one, it's a personal message from Jesus Christ. It's a personal message from Jesus Christ. Now you think about that. Um, we live in a day and age now where a lot of people write books, you know. And um, it's always fun if you ever have a book uh, that you buy from somebody that you admire and you buy it at a conference or somewhere like that and they sign the book. Put your name, right? That's kind of neat. Well, here is a personal message from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Himself to you, to us, to all of us. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave Him to show His servants what must soon take place. And that word servant, if you're a believer, that includes you. So revelation is a personal message from Jesus. That alone ought to be enough to make you want to go, well, hey, if he left that for me, I need to know what it means. I need to know what it says. Number two, Revelation is a picture book describing the consummation of Christ's kingdom. That's the best way I know how to do this. Matter of fact, my, my graphic for this series is Revelation, the consummation of Christ's kingdom. When Christ came the first time, he announced that the kingdom of God is at hand. Why was the kingdom of God at hand? Because the king was here, okay? Ultimately, he came to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He, he rose from the dead on the third day, and after 40 days of, of appearing and all these different things, he ascended to heaven to go back to the Father and to sit down at the right hand of the Father, signifying that he had done everything that needed to be done, Okay? He sits down at the right hand of the Father, and now he's waiting for his enemies to be a footstool for his feet. Uh, there is going to be a day when Jesus comes back, and when he comes back, then the kingdom of God will be completely fulfilled. It will be consummated, and it will usher in this kingdom that will never be destroyed and will never end. And this book, Revelation, is a picture book describing this not only is this prologue the beginning part of revelation linked to what happened in daniel when all the kingdoms of the world will be destroyed and here is a kingdom that will never end but you're going to find out next week in verses four five six seven and eight that he continues this kingdom language uh, he talks about how jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth and how he has made us a kingdom uh, a, a priest uh, uh, to God and his Father. And so you're going to see all this again next week. We're just kind of getting the toe in the water this week, but it's a picture book, and I love that. It's a picture book describing the consummation of Christ's kingdom. And over and over as you read Revelation, it's full of pictures and images, and it captures our imagination because it stirs our hope that, yes, there is a king coming. His name is Jesus. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. And He will rule and He will reign forever, period. There you go. All right, number three. The third reason why you should read Revelation. It has a practical benefit by promising a blessing to those who read it and heed it. Okay? 
Again, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads it. Blessed are those who hear it and keep what's written in it because the time is near. And so that is why we should read Revelation. That is why we should study Revelation. So my challenge tonight is simple. Over the next few weeks or nine months, is it's, it's going to take that long for us to study this once a week for uh, every week until nine months. Will you read and respond to the message of Jesus in the book of Revelation? That's your challenge. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. And Lord, thank you as we've introduced the book of Revelation. I pray that you would stir our hearts and capture our imaginations as we look forward in hope to that day when you will come again and you will usher in the kingdom in all its fullness and ultimately you will rule and reign forever. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.